It's happening again. Welcome to Work Cookie, a CBOC podcast. As we broadcast around the world, get bite-sized morsels and tidbits from our industrial organizational psychologists, other experts, and the latest research on the workplace to boost your organization's effectiveness. Sign up now at CBOC.com. That's S-E-B-O-C.com to engage with our community, gain a sense of belonging, access our other media, and get rapid advice from our experts at CBOC.com. Welcome. I'm Dr. Jeremy Lokabaugh, Industrial Organizational Psychology Consultant and Workplace Communication and Negotiation Coach. In addition to CBOC.com that you just heard, you can also visit my website at TurnBoot.com. If you're in or getting into the IO psychology field and you feel a little lost in the crowd, you're looking to jumpstart your career and maybe get the answers that your degree program never gave you about what it's actually like to work as an IO psych practitioner, check out CBOC's IO Career Pathfinder membership at CBOC.com. Also on the panel today, we have Sarah Smith-Berry of Frigo Consulting. Sarah is a psychometrician, veteran advocate, consultant, and modern stoic. Also, we have Tom Bradshaw, voice and speech coach, and a damn good actor at that. He is the leading voice and speech coach for the industrial organizational psychology community. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Work Cookie. Jeremy, you've brought us together once again. What's our topic for this episode? So we seem to get some articles from independent.co.uk. They always have some good workplace articles on you know things that are different and going on there's a there's one out uh it was published on march ooh march 7th of a while back google spends years figuring out the secret to a good working environment is just to be nice now there's so that that's an interesting enough title to uh say oh okay let's let's find out more so here's how it all here's how it began and here's here's a couple main points so 4 years ago google sets out on a mission to work out how it could transform productivity in its team. So there's a project, it's called Project Aristotle that Google did. It started in 2012. And what they did was they studied hundreds and hundreds of teams at Google to try to find out the secret to their the successful team success. Now, keep in mind too, that Google has been, you know, they're famous for doing all these, you know, fairly expensive things to keep employees happy and motivated and such. They have free lunches, massage rooms, nap pods, haircuts, in-house doctors, um, all, all, all kinds of different stuff, free legal advice, bikes, um, they, they can grow vegetables in, in the company garden. Now, <clears throat> all this, and they find out that maybe all those things, while they are nice perks, aren't necessarily the uh, things to creating a good work environment. One interesting takeaway here was that if a man, they found that if a manager greets a new recruit on the first day, that recruit is 15% more productive in nine months time. That is a fairly interesting finding. The thing that I find interesting here is you don't get a lot of, we don't get a lot of data from, from studies that that organization do. A lot of times they keep that in house because they, you know, they have a competitor advantage. So it's, it's neat to kind of get even these tiny, tiny tidbits that they're, they're feeding us. Um, so what they found, and this is these will be some of the, the talking points. So we'll talk about, you know, what about a manager greeting a new recruit on the first day that does it? How important is that? They also found, and here we'll, t- we'll talk about one of the big terms that we hear in psychological safety. They, they came <clears throat> across this, a, a study and, and then they started to implement some things. They found that successful teams have high 
average social sensitivity. And this means that your know, team members, uh, group members in the study, uh, paralleled out the team members, are good at gauging how others feel based on something Tom does a lot, the tone of voice. Uh, and then we also talk about body language and expression. So uh, Amy Edmondson, who is a Harvard Business School professor, defines psychological safety as sense of confidence. He will not embarrass, reject, or punish someone for speaking up. So I figure we can start with Sarah with different ideas here. So all of this, these were the main points and takeaways that the title here of this article, Google spends years figuring out the secret to a good working environment is just to be nice, <clears throat> excuse me, and successful teams have high average sensitivity, which uh, equate to providing psychological in the workplace. Sarah, what do you have to say? Well, psychological safety, I'm really, really hoping does not turn into a major buzzword and lose its clout because I think it is incredibly important. Um, managing psychological safety of interactions, period, um, is really where you have the ability to have the uh, majority of the influence over your employees. And I believe that's why we see what happened with managers introducing themselves on the first day and that level of significance coming back. I believe you said it was like 15% not at the nine month mark, um, more, excuse me, more productive. Um, I think that really does come down to just establishing um, the psychological safety right from the beginning. Um, now, if I'm thinking about organizations like Google, right, uh, tech company, highly competitive, very large, um, for them to come to the conclusion of, well, just being nice uh, is more effective than anything else is kind of interesting, right, in a hyper-competitive environment. Um, because usually in hyper-competitive environments, you can have a lot of negative behaviors start to surface, um, especially between different cliques or facets within the organization. And I'm sure Google's not immune to those things. Um, so I think it would be really, um, really interesting to be able to see um, inside of Google personally. Um, I haven't, I haven't really worked with anyone that works at that organization. I mean, I've heard through the grapevine that they're great. Um, but yeah, as far as, um, Talking about like social sensitivity and social psychological safety, I do know that they're one of the front runners in that area, looking in areas of diversity, equity, and inclusion, as well as uh, making sure to hire and uh, provide support to those uh, neurodivergent employees. Um, I do know that Google is at the forefront of that. So um, yeah, it's, it's very interesting. Um, and, and to reduce it down to just being nice, um, it's kind of refreshing. And at the same time, what does nice mean? Um, and that's, I guess that's my, that's how my brain works. I'm okay. So what does nice mean? What do we constitute by being nice, right? That's going to look different for everyone. Um, so I might find that it's very nice when people give me space to work, but someone else might find it nice when people check in with them frequently. So again, I, I think it is going to come down to a little bit more detailed, uh, explanations than just nice. But at the end of the day, I think any program created for employees, whether that be um, those extending to social responsibility and volunteer work um, within their communities, as well as those internal uh, benefits and initiatives to employees, like, you know, if you have a, 
high millennial workforce having things like uh, eating areas or areas where they can sit and collaborate and commune with one another. I, I don't think that any of those things um, are invaluable. Um, in fact, I think it's just kind of a synergy of all of those things together, but absolutely establishing psych- psychological safety is number one. Yeah, those are great points. And I agree with the, um, you know, what is the nice part? And I think, so they're not giving us everything because they want to keep that competitor's challenge. And I think that part of it, so they're giving us some bits and pieces that we can infer from, which is, um, you know, what is psychological safety? And, you know, according to Amy Edmondson, a sense of confidence that the team will not embarrass, reject, or punish someone for speaking up. I think that also goes to judgment. So if we, if organizations can adopt a core value or even a social norm, something to the effect of appreciate, appreciate, and rather than judge. So we appreciate everyone's perspective. If somebody comes and is, is complaining, we appreciate uh, that they're providing information. So we change our perspective a little bit and remain non-judgmental. We have a tendency, I, I feel, because we're humans to be very judgy sometimes. So I think a lot of it is people don't want to be judged and people don't want to be understood. So I think part of it is that, and we can all, ad- we can adopt, we can start to adopt perspectives of people that change our perspectives a little bit. Maybe there's someone that you kind of dislike in the workplace. What would happen if you change your perspective to, this is one of the coolest people I've ever met, really just changing perspective. I was trying to help a quick story. I was trying to help a, um, there was a, a loose cat uh, uh, in the neighborhood and I was trying to save the cat. I was trying to get, get a hold of the cat, see if I had any chips or collars or anything. And the cat bit me and it bit me really good. And it bit me through a glove and it almost tore off part of my finger. I took that. And I remember this is a couple of weeks ago. I remember saying to myself, this is the coolest moment I've ever experienced in my life because otherwise I was going to complain. Otherwise it would have ruined my day, but I completely changed my perspective. And then I thought, well, why is it cool? And I was like, okay, it's a new experience. Just taking a completely different look on that. And we can start to do that in the workplace with scenarios that we uh, come across. It builds resilience uh, in doing so. And in resilience, we look at how many different actions uh, can we take in response to, to certain challenges? So it, interesting in terms of perspective and, and all that non-judgmental and psychological safety entails. Tom, uh, you've got some thoughts on this. Well, I, I want to throw something at both of you because a little bit, it's like, you know, everything I needed to know about life, I learned in kindergarten. I just need to be nice to people. But at the same time, you know, I can reflect on those early days of, you know, those early school years. And it, you know, for the most part, it, it, it was a very, you know, loving environment with not a lot of judgment, except for that one kid who was the bully. <laughs> and, and I think there is a parallel with the business world where, you know, not everybody wants to play in that pond. Uh, there are some people who think that, you know, the way they do things is right. And often they find themselves in leadership and they ain't changing. And with what we're seeing today, doesn't it actually get to a point where this environment is toxic and the best thing I can do is join the great resignation and find a job somewhere else, somewhere that actually is nice? That was really heavy, Tom, but absolutely. So here's the thing. 
Um, I want to respond to Jeremy and then I want to come back to that. Jeremy, I think what you mentioned about perspective is incredibly valuable to the point where I'm starting to brainstorm that we might want to do an entire episode just on uh, conscious programming, right? So the things that we tell ourselves in order to adapt our perspective, um, incredibly powerful stuff and stuff that can be used within the workplace um, as regards to motivation, but also just in uh, managing ourselves and, and the whole work-life balance concept, right? That uh, we're all trying to adopt, I guess. Um, now, Tom, the great resignation, um, I think is coming again, as a response to a lot of world issues that are occurring. Okay. Um, a lot of the systems that are in place currently, um, were built for reasons that are no longer valid. Okay. And that's a very nice way of saying that. Um, and I think people are starting to wake up to that. I think people are starting to understand that work as we know it, um, is, it should not be built around a concept of um, you have to work in order to survive um, and in order to feed your family and all of that. And I think people are starting to become aware of that um, now without going into a highly political debate, because I don't want to go down that road. That's not what we do here. I will say that it is um, there is a shift that's happening. Okay. So in the eighties, we saw organizations were really um, the parent uh to the employee. And the reason I say that is they provided so much um, guidance, but they were also somewhat of an authority figure, right? Um, employees could be coerced into um, maintaining the company standard or status quo by being threatened with being fired, right? That's less scary now. I think companies are more afraid of individuals quitting than uh, employees are of being fired at this point. So, um, that's a big shift. That's a big change to happen. And so what does that actually look like when it comes to, okay, what does nice mean in the workplace? At the end of the day, it, it's, it's looking like individuals ha- are spending more time realizing that they want control over what their day looks like. Okay. And they want more control over the uh, services or objects or products that they produce. They want some sort of ownership in that. Um, and they're asking companies to facilitate that um, new paradigm, right? Um, I think we mentioned on on past episodes, Tom, um, putting actual values on skill sets and, and ascribing values to those. I think that's all steps in the right direction um, to kind of understand the, the value of the people working for you. And instead of looking at them as um, essentially servants to an organization, um, organizations are starting to see them as almost cells within a cellular body of the organization. And I think that is refreshing. And I think that organizations that get on that bandwagon are going to be those that, that, uh, survive the test of time. Um, and the great resignation is going to impact organizations that want to maintain the status quo. And, and, you know, Jeremy, we were having a conversation, you know, I think it was last fall uh, with an economist who, who was telling us that uh, this is the type of change that we haven't seen since the Industrial Revolution, that, you know, Sarah's right, the way that we work is totally changing. So do you think we're, we can embrace this nice culture as we develop this new work paradigm? Is it something that we have to 
put a conscious effort into, or we're going to miss the opportunity. I mean, sort of where do we go from here? I think anything that is against our instinctual human nature or someone's attitude or someone's ingrained or habitual behaviors, I think, yes, uh, as you mentioned, I think it is an intentional, purposeful look. And I think that's what it's going to take. Um, you know, those of us who really work uh, to help organizations into a you know a better workplace environment and to a place that they didn't even know they could go in terms of productivity and success. You know, one of our fears is when these things, kind of like what what Sarah said. You know, she hopes it doesn't become just a buzzword. I agree because then it just becomes a check the box initiatives in organizations, and then they say they're they're doing it. They say they have this you know uh, workplace culture initiatives initiative or it's part of their core values, whole nice or non judgmental things. And it becomes a check the box thing. And then it gets a bad aura, just, you know, the initiative does. Then there's training on it that employees might have to go to. And then it's worked into performance plans. And it becomes more of a, a, an adult to child conversation with, rather than an adult to adult conversation in the organ. So I would say yes to your question, Tom. I would also caution that it has to be done in the right way and has to be sets ingrained, something that they pull, not a push. And it has to be something that organizations put some resources mm-hmm. uh, into. Um, and that provides us with a perfect teaser for not our next episode, but one that's coming up. We're going to look at, there's a, another article. Here's a teaser. It's called um, uh, Seven Ways to Identify the Toxic Workers Costing Business Thousands. And that goes back to your schoolyard bully example, Tom. And research from Harvard Business School looked at data for more than 50,000 workers fired from 11 U.S. companies and found that it cost on average $12,489 to replace workers that left because of a toxic colleague. So we're going to uh, end this episode. But first, let's see if there's any final thoughts from Sarah and Tom. Let's go with Tom first. Well, I just find this this really interesting. And, you know, it's <laughs> I sit in a position where I hear things like we just need to be nicer. And I go, yes, that's that's absolutely true. And we should go in this in, in this route. My frustration develops when there are people who don't see the benefit. And it's you know, this is a challenge that's going to continue to grow. It's, it doesn't seem to be going away. We're now seeing you know pushback from organizations with things such as the remote workforce. So it, 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 for me, it feels like we're just at the beginning of a much longer conversation. Uh, those are my thoughts. Sarah, over to you. Let's call it what it is, Tom. It's a revolution. And that's what's happening, a revolution within the workforce. And there's going to be an us and a them if we're not careful. And so when Jeremy says organizations put money and resources into managing it, I would listen. Um, because it's going to end up creating an us versus them within your organization. And the people at the top are going to be the the minority. Um, So I really think that it's imperative um, that companies kind of understand and wake up to the fact that the great resignation is a revolution. It is workers saying, hey, we don't like this. We're not going to be a part of this until things change. And you can strong arm, strong arm them, excuse me. <clears throat> um, but eventually your money is going to run out. 
So that's what I'll, I'll leave it with. Of course, I always like to go the controversial way, but uh, it's a revolution and we can either make good of it and, and be proud at the outcome and we can do it with kindness. Um, but when I think about being kind within the workforce, I think about kind to who, who is being kind and who's on the receiving end of that kindness. And we need to make sure that an us versus them does not develop. So really, really good one today. Thanks guys. Well said, we covered some cautions, some greener pastures, and some action items. We'll see you next time. Closing out in five, four, three, two, and one. Thanks for listening to this episode of Work Cookie, a Seabock podcast. Don't forget to sign up at seabock.com. That's S-E-B-O-C.com to engage with our community, gain a sense of belonging, access our other media, and get rapid advice from experts. Would it be a bad idea to make your most challenging workplace problems go away? Don't forget to check out our corporate, career boost, recruiter, and even student memberships at seabock.com.